Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch this episode number 26. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. We're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. Each time one of us chooses a movie or a TV show that the other person has never seen and that it is vitally important that they see immediately yes. drop everything and watch it exactly. and shut up Yes. while watching it, <laughs> which sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't. Yeah. And then we enter a zone of forced silence where we're not allowed to talk about the thing that we've watched until we actually record. So there's always that weird time. Yes. Okay, so what did we do this time? Uh, today was uh, Dave's pick, and he picked a movie that I sadly had not seen up until this morning. I made it 37 years without seeing this film. And that is Seven Samurai. It was a blind spot. Yes, Seven Samurai, 1954. The monumental world classic by one of my favorite film directors akira kurosawa at the top of best of all time lists yes. worldwide and my own <laughs> <laughs> best films ever list um so yes where do we go from here do you want to give a synopsis or? Uh, I, I mean this is can be synopsized actually quite quickly so we have a village of farmers that's beset upon by bandits and the bandits have come by before we get the idea um, and stole all their rice. So now it's barley season and the bandits are threatening to come by again at when the barley harvest comes in. So farmers get together and they say, let's hire some samurai to defend our village so we don't have to give up all our barley. And so then they go and find some samurai and the samurai help them defend their village. So that's kind of the shorten and you know, not very detailed synopsis of... It's a very neat three-act structure yes. because you have recruiting the samurai, mm -hmm. the problem, setting up the problem, recruiting the samurai, training yes. and pre preparations, and then the battle. And then the, the battle. The onslaught of, uh, of the bandits. Yes. It's, and how it all shakes out. It's like... And now it's like three-quarters of all movies are, are this structure, you know. In fact, yes. including at least half a dozen remakes yes. of this story. Yes. It's the biggest one being The Magnificent Seven, the which Western, I which I've never seen. Never I, can't, seen yeah. I cannot make myself see it. I love this movie so much. I can't. And I know a lot of people like that film. I don't yeah. know if they feel about it the same way mm -hmm. that I feel about <laughs> The Seven Samurai, but I can't even go there. Yeah. Okay. Interestingly, though, maybe, interesting, maybe not, I... Um, the Sergio Leone spaghetti western, Clint Eastwood, um, Fistful of Dollars, mm. is is a remake, almost a shot for shot, scene by scene oh, remake really? of Jujimbo, one another great Kuros Kurosawa samurai, like the same thing. Um, I like both films. Yeah, I, I like. I think Yojimbo is a much better film, but it's interesting to me that there's this sort of global. I mean, as far back as the 50s, this sort of global conversation going on in cinema of like people seeing things. And I, you know, I was reading about Seven Samurai and it was like the first sort of Japanese film to break out and, you know, make people recognize that, hey, Japan, Japan has this film tradition and, you know, makes beautiful films. And, you know, it kind of put Japan on the world stage where it hadn't really been before. You know, I think Rashomon actually, but this one was the one that was like the big hit that, yeah. you know, blew everything up and then inspired everything. <laughs> but this felt like to audiences around the world at the time, like a recognizable Hollywood style yeah, film, I yeah. think, because it didn't, this film, unlike 
like Ozu, who has a very, you know, very specific, totally different aesthetic. Um, Kurosawa was just steeped in like Hollywood film and world film. And like he loved like the John Ford Westerns and Howard Hawks and that whole tradition. And so then he's just bringing a lot of the same, like his, everything he's absorbed about like film construction and editing and camera work and, and bringing that into his own style and treating, doing this kind of subject matter instead. It wasn't like him trying to do a Western, but it was like him bringing that grammar to, to like this kind of period piece in a new way. It's, I was, I didn't know like anything about Japan historically. I mean, like, because, well, at least the small town school system that I went to failed to educate me about um, many world histories outside. You didn't of, learn about feudal Japan in Texas I history? I did not. I was, I, didn't, I was fascinated to discover that Japan had a similar feudal system as they did in most of you know, Western Europe during the same time period. And it's they had the, the same, same sort of structure going on. Castles and yeah. kingdoms and knights of the realm. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, Samurai tributes just and knights. taxation. And, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's weird because, you know, as, you know, someone grew up in Western traditions, I'm more familiar with the sort of knight thing. But then because of the obsession with like martial arts and stuff in the 70s that it started and sort of movies in America had that sort of... So I may be aware of more like Code of the Samurai kind of stuff than I am. I've never read the, you know, whatever the French, you know, code of... Of chivalry, I've oh, okay, never read yeah. that or anything like that. But I don't know. It's it's interesting. God, they don't teach you anything in Texas history. I know, just Texas history yeah. is all <laughs> lies about Texas history. So we usually talk a little bit about why the movie, why the movie was chosen. Yes, right? I mean, was chosen in the passive voice by somebody, by someone. So it chosen was, by it was that my is... pick. It's obviously. Um, it's hard for me to talk about this. Like I had to wait a whole year of doing this podcast before I could even bust this movie out. Partly because it's about three and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. We're we're seeing you got to see for the first time this movie in its complete cut. Like it's yeah. restored back to its original release time in Japan on the Criterion Blu-ray that came out a number, you know ten years I don't know eight years ago or something like that. Um, so it's a long movie, so it's hard to fit into our schedule. Right. Yeah. So I, that, that there's been that. But also, like, I've just been hesitant. It's like so important to me. It's like it is absolutely in my top five, in my top two, maybe. Yeah. I, I'm hesitant to ever say what my favorite movie of all time is. But I just get really I don't know. I think for me, I saw this in 1985. And I think and believe that I can account for my love of cinema of world cinema and actually starting to explore movies around the world from seeing this film or well yeah the kurosawa films that i saw at the time but this was this was the one that meant the most to me i think actually literally the first kurosawa films i saw was a double bill of rashomon and throne of blood his adaptation of um macbeth playing at the castro and god you know if i didn't a lot of terrible things happened in my family that year, but it resulted in me moving in with my sister and we had an apartment in, um, in the Castro district, um, about two or three blocks away from the Castro theater, which is the, like one of the great rep 
movie theaters. They did a month long, I want to say, retrospective of Kurosawa, double bills every night, everything throughout. Like it wasn't chronological necessarily, yeah. but um, so I I found this movie and like then this was the thing that was like I want to see all the movies. Yeah. And I want to see the Italian movies. I want to see the other Japanese movies. I want to see as much Kurosawa as I can. Like it opened my whole world up. It made me want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. When I made my first film, a few years down the line, when I, you know, was holding a 16 millimeter camera for the first time, like the the images and the kind of style and the sensibility of this kind of Kurosawa film, somehow I ingested that into my weird kid in San Diego, strange movie that I tried to make down to like there was a there's thematic elements that have to do with samurai lore and it's a whole nother thing and we can't even watch that film it's lost to time at least until I find a VHS deck (laughs) but Toshiro Mifune carrying that banner on the hillside in the wind like I copied (laughs) and absorbed and, and adapt you know made some of those my own when I made my own films and I just this movie for me I came out and felt like it contained the whole world like mm. uh, of uh, i don't know like of human emotion or yeah. something like that it has honor and dignity and self sacrifice and um and then baser things too and yeah. violence and um choosing to do the wrong thing and it's got the love story and i just you feel like you for me like you've seen the entire landscape of humanity in some mm. certain way and then it's so exciting to look at the photography is beautiful and the action scenes move and you're it's I mean, I got to see it in a movie theater yeah. on the big screen, and it's so immersive. To you see it all in one sitting, yeah. three and a half hours with that intermission, and you just come out and you've been there. And it's I don't know. So anyway, I had a few things to say about you that. Liked I guess. It, I, think. I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> and it it's hard for me. It feels it makes you feel vulnerable sometimes to show something to your wife, your partner, yeah. the person who matters most you know Mm. some something that you really love like i don't know so anyway now you have to tell me that you hate it i don't (laughs) and ruin no i'm just kidding it's like like this isn't loaded conversation well i I mean and and like well to go into watching it knowing all that is also very you know know, daunting um because like i think there's some times when i reacted to things in in my way and then i felt like i shouldn't have like like it ruined the moment for well, me to have done that, and I I feel bad if that no, is the case. Not you at know? all. I mean, you get to experience and react the way you would and you should. Yeah. But there's probably a moment or two where you're <laughs> like, oh, this isn't the kind of movie where we're going to make fun of it. No. Well, I wasn't making fun of it, but you know, there's I and I it's I think it's part of the genius of it. There's such a beautiful mix of comedy and tragedy in it that sometimes and it goes back and forth you know effortlessly As people and do. So, and sometimes like i would still be caught up in this comic moment that happened and then all of a sudden there's someone begging for their life and they're being stabbed to death by 20 villagers mm-hmm. you know and it's it happens so quickly and, and effortlessly you know that i mean like you know, I, I read a little bit about uh, Kurosawa afterward, and they talked about there was a big earthquake in Tokyo at the time, and his brother took him to Tokyo oh. and made him look at the, you know, absolute devastation of Tokyo at the time, yeah. the corpses and the, you know, ruined fields and everything like that. And 
and how that must have influenced, you know, his sort of matter of fact dealing with like life and death issues. Cause that's like, well, what people, I mean now, and you've no more than basically yeah. than me cause you just read about him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the exact count of films he's made mm-hmm. like somewhere in the 40, 50 range. I think I'm sure some, I should know this. Right. Yeah. But, um, but throughout one of the things that people always talk about that comes right out of what you're saying is like what a humanist he was. Yeah. How, this the depth of his empathy for the can like the whole landscape of characters that he created over time like he he was really trying to show people as they are yeah and not judge them yeah and he shows the good and the bad of course he really yeah. admires <laughs> and holds up like the the samurai the, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, so that's, that was one thing that was interesting to me is like, to me, like, in a sense, the samurai were kind of doing it out of honor, but I don't know that it was fully that. I think they were also just hungry, you know? I think that, and I read a little bit about the samurai because I didn't know I anything. I think they each had their own reasons yeah, for yeah. participating in it. Some, it was like Particip- glory of battle, like it's the last great battle. I mean, these samurai are all masterless, so they're yeah. ronin, they're, they're, in, in the system that they were set at after their master dies, they were supposed to have killed themselves, right. you know. And so these are... They're the stragglers. Sort of They're the dis- leftovers. Yeah. Uh, so, my God, the cats are annoying today. If you hear <laughs> lots of galloping in the background, you should imagine uh, our two terrible cats running all Not over the Not the place. horses running towards Although, the Although, yeah, maybe the galloping sounds yes. are good. This could be some <laughs> foley work. We have yeah. horse work, you know, on yeah. the set. Um. What were we, we were talking about their motivations? Yeah, for... um, I mean, because I think they did have a conversation. Was like this may be our last battle, kind of thing between the. Um, she is it. She I had I had their names. Which one? I I know some between of their names. the leader uh, Shimada, Kambe. yeah, Kambe Shimada, Kambe, and then um, his old lieutenant. I guess is Chiri, his friend. Yeah, I, I don't remember that character's name. They don't say it very often. It's, I know who I, he is. Well, I can't pronounce it. But anyway, but he they, joins up. They, they recognize each other when yeah. he's like, "Oh, you again? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were done for at the end of that last battle we were yeah. at, and they have to like reconnect." So they have a conversation where like he thinks it might be the last battle because it's, you know, the the numbers are against them. You know, I feel like by the end of the film, this is their last. Yeah. This is the end. Yeah. Um, but they each have their own reasons for joining up. At least two of them join because they're attracted to, is his name Kanbei, the leader? Yeah, yeah. Toshiro yeah. Mifune, the clown, like mm-hmm. is, becomes a, like just starts following him around like a yeah. dog, right? Yeah. Like he's just like <laughs> kind of, he doesn't even know yeah. how to experience his own emotions because yeah. he's so blown away by... So we're introduced to this to the leader Takashi Shimura, the actor who plays him. He's amazing. He's throughout all of Kurosawa's films in many different roles. But he's the he becomes the leader of the samurai. But we meet him when they're in that village. The, the mm-hmm. peasants are trying to recruit them, and they follow. They go over to see this event that's playing out right there. What the hell is going on? There's a samurai shaving his head off, cutting mm-hmm. off his top lock, shaving his head taking on priest's robes, posing as a priest and rescuing a small child who's been held hostage by a, a bandit or a, a thief in, yeah. in an overnight, you know, with, with, you know, knife against a child's neck kind of thing. Like 
he goes in and saves the child and sac- sacrifices his honor of his yeah. his you know samurai personhood and becomes this meager peasant like thing to pose as the priest and do that and everybody is just like blown away Toshiro Mifune the clown mm-hmm. ragtag clown who we later learn was a peasant himself from a yeah. peasant family and modest roots and not a samurai yeah he immediately starts following him all around but kind of comical kind of making fun kind of laughing kind, but can't really but just has to tag along yeah. to be a part of it and and then you have the young acolyte the, yes. the boy <laughs> who's like I want to be your whatever, yeah. be my teacher, be my sensei. Yeah. And, and you have him go along for that reason because he wants to learn at the feet of this great man. So they go along, I think, because of that. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the boy to Katsushiro, is that his name? Yeah, to, um, to become a samurai, right? Yeah. I'm starting out on my journey. You have other ones that are there just for the hell of it, like the wood chopping kind of comical guy. Yeah, they just brought him along. Because they think, you know, he's got a great mood and a great personality. He'll liven things up and he just kind of goes along for what the hell? Why not? How did they recruit the sword guy at last? Because they offered it to him first and then he said no, right? I don't remember how he ended up deciding to go. Yeah. Because they asked him once and he was like, nah. And then and then somehow at the end he came back or or. I don't. Something. Did we see the scene where they ask him? I thought he just came over and joined them to their hut. Or did they go talk to him after his competition? The, oh, the, maybe. We see him for. Isn't that the first time we see him? When okay. They, well, they there's another them. swordsman that. There's they... another swordsman who's not in. Okay. It, who's just okay. who's just gives them the brush off. Okay, That's not yeah. the same character. Okay. That's just kind of like how hard it is to find somebody who will agree to go on the mission. Yeah. So they get like. Some, you know, early on they get pushed in the dirt and another one like kind of yells at them. And, yeah. And, you know, but you have the master swordsman too, who's another amazing character. Yeah. Stone-faced. <laughs> He's either um, asleep or, uh, or, or in action, you know, pretty much. That stance that he gets yeah. into and in, when he's in the sword yeah. competition with the idiot who's yeah. like, I'm better than you, you'd be dead. And he's like, no, if these were steel blades, you'd be dead. Yeah. He's like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> guess who doesn't make it out of that yeah <laughs> and then the others are standing there saying it's so obvious this is such a waste this doesn't have to happen yeah so he's all about skill and mastery and like the code and um the you know being the best martial artist best swordsman so, sort of like it's all about that zen of like being the best yeah. kind of thing there's this just an inner quiet peace to him but he's freaking badass yeah (laughs) there's that scene where the boy has to just when he goes off he's like oh we need to get some of those muskets from the bandits out there i'll do it he he i'll go get them and then like you just have some scenes of them waiting and stuff you don't see anything that happens but he comes back the next morning just totally nonchalant carrying the musket says yeah i got two of them and here's the musket (laughs) and then he just goes down and like closes his eyes to to nap The, the boy you know Katsushiro runs over and just has to like he just stares at him yeah. like he's in love like he's like intoxicated and he just is like you are so great you are an amazing person I've been wanting to tell you that forever I love that scene obviously <laughs> yeah so I guess one thing I wanted to ask you is what do you think of them as as characters the seven samurai like do they read as fully formed characters or are they archetypes are they types are they both are they like how i mean what does he do with i think that i mean because seven is a lot 
you know, to get, I mean, there's, there's several of them that just kind of fade into the, like the archer, like all I knew about Mm -hmm. him was that he was an archer. I mean, like I didn't really get a sense of his personality or anything like that. And then he was, was he the second to die? I think. I'm a little hazy about the first two to die because they're the ones that you don't have as much time with. Yeah, yeah. So the first one is the friendly guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure the second was the the archer. And then the other two are are the swordsman and then um, the the samurai, who's not a samurai. Uh, (laughs) Toshiro Mifune. Yes. uh, Kikuchiyo. Kikuchiyo, yes. Um, He's the last... Yeah. You know, and sort of the, you know, I don't, he, such an interesting character. I love that he knows that, you know, the, the samurai being samurai raised in samurai land, which is separate from peasant land. They don't have a full understanding of the farmers that they're working for. And like, he's able to explain to them, oh, they've got plenty of you know, he's like, don't. you should see what they have all squirreled <laughs> yeah, away. I yeah. know the way they are. Yeah. <laughs> there's sake under the floorboards. Yeah. There's rice for, you know, the next month It's like, you, yeah, they, they're taking care of they themselves. Have, they have armor. They they're have keeping it swords. hidden from you because yeah. you guys fucking come in yeah. and like ra- ravage their villages mm-hmm. and take their women and stuff all the yeah. time. You don't know what you're doing to us. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we do eventually find out that he... He has his like what his scroll <laughs> yeah. with his uh, when he's trying to like say I'm a samurai I want to yeah. be on this trip early on when they're yeah. recruiting <laughs> and they take the scroll away and they're like do you realize this lineage you're you're Maybe a thirteen, 13 year, year old, old boy you, you, yeah so <laughs> you you don't look thirteen you know but he they still call him they tease Lord. him they call him Lord Kikuchiyo the whole time yeah. which is the name of the thirteen year old on on the lineage yeah. scroll <laughs> um, but he it turns out that he he was from modest farmer peasant stock and lost his there's that scene which is one of the ones where you laughed a little bit (laughs) was where he takes the baby and says this this child is me it's so hard with kim because his his emotions are so over the top i mean both in comedy and in you know so it's hard to to you know know when the shift happens you know I think he's one of the most complex characters. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's full of contradictions. He mm-hmm. both despises the peasants and adores them. Yeah. He loves that guy, Yohei, the mm-hmm. guy, the, the old sad sack guy with yeah. the tragedy mask, like mournful expression yeah. all the time. This little frail guy. He loves that guy. Yeah. He's so, he falls apart. He goes, like, he goes into, like, I'm going to kill the rest of you yeah. when Yohei, when we lose Yohei. Yeah. He's like, where's Yohei? He's always looking for Yohei. Um, he loves them, but he's also like, because I think it represents the background that he doesn't want to be associated with anymore. He's also kind of, you know, pushes them around a lot and teases them a lot. And he never really feels like he doesn't ever really, he's always working to try and feel, be accepted, but yet kind of be blustering. Like, I don't give a shit also. (laughs) So he functions a lot of the time as comic relief because Mm. you can count on him to do something kind of wacky or silly or strange or make a crack a joke at the wrong moment when, when everybody else is kind of stern, he'll say the thing that people are thinking, but yet he has these, these moments where you see inside who he is that are also quite powerful. Toshiro Mifune was not a comic actor. I mean, you yeah. have to see other films that he's done because this is not his typical role. He's played, he's played, you know, the Kanbei samurai, mm. stoic samurai type. And he's, you know, played any manner of 
character, modern and and in the period pieces. So he's he's got a, a big range. Yeah, yeah. It's no, it's. I mean, and his he kind of. I mean, well, he drives the action. He, you know, there's beats happen because of him. Things happen because of him. You know, when he decides to run off and and well, because he's feeling jealous of the swordsman that just went up and grabbed a. Yeah. Grabbed a musket. He feels like he needs, but in, in doing that, he loses his friend that, you know, and that kind of drives the action for the rest of the movie. It's, yeah, you know, he gets scolded for, um, you know, for, for not thinking, you know, uh-huh. which is not his strong point. <laughs> so are there, in terms of like the, one of the things I mentioned, you know, as the movie's like three and a half hours long. How does this, it work structure and pacing wise for you? I mean, we had to split it into two days. Yeah. But does it work for you? The fact that it's that that big and epic a film. Yeah, like, does it I think feel so. like to a new viewer? I can't even know. I anymore. mean, it didn't. It didn't seem that long to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you think it just doesn't. You know, it's it's all about the characters and them playing off of each other and. And I mean, that's that's what makes, you know, films worth watching, you know, is that you get to see people react in different situations. And so, uh, you know, there's, you know, a long stretch at the beginning where they're trying to get their first samurai, you mm-hmm. know, and they have the, you know, they're staying in some sort of weird, like, barn or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, it's like a flophouse barn, barn kind of thing. thing. And there's two guys there really really hairy guys hairy drunk guys just kind of like hanging around hanging around commenting on everything they work there i i I don't they just i don't think they work there they just seem to be there drinking yeah they stole their rice though i I don't know if it's one of those things where you pay like uh five bucks or whatever Mm. you know whatever in yen (laughs) and you get to like flop there for the Mm. night that's what it felt like to me kind of this like just crappy whoever and you know they're they're making fun you know, well, it's it's interesting how you feel because at the beginning you feel really bad for these farmers. You feel like they're destitute, mm-hmm. that they're, you know, that they're on the edge of starvation and, you know, that the whole village is going to die if they don't get help. But then, like, over time you discover that that's not quite the case, which I think is interesting, you know. Um, and, you know, they've essentially, you know, sent these samurai to their deaths, you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, and when when perhaps they could have defended themselves, I don't know. It's it's interesting to me. I mean, the the line at the end about you know this victory isn't ours; it it belongs to the peasants. You mm-hmm. know, but one because they did get them to fight for themselves, but also because the you know the fight was never for. I don't know. It's I love that. Yeah, ending. like the samurai to- were were defeated too. You know, they lost four. For, you know, more than half of their number. This wasn't our victory. Yeah, it was. They're the winners. Yeah. That's, what did you make? I mean, how did you, like, did you feel that was an appropriate epilogue or ending to the film? Because I think think you you head into that. Like, we've just had some devastating losses. There's only three of them left. Yeah. Right? I mean, sorry, spoilers. Yeah. 1954 (laughs) spoilers. But you have three of them still standing at the end, including the leader and the youth, the boy, Katsushiro. And... His friend, right? Yeah. It's the, this battle his comrade, yeah. his lieutenant. Um, and you you leave that 
that rainy epic last battle with and the loss of the last yeah. of Toshiro Mifune really and then you're on the the um planting yeah the, with the with the peasants singing the singing and it feels kind of triumph triumphant for a moment like you've got yeah. them singing and it's very it's sunshiny and bright and obviously the 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 victory has been had and there's they're at peace and they're planting and then you see the samurai over off to the side watching them just watching them watching them and they go and walk over to yeah. the to the grave site yeah where the the, the mounds stand of the fallen four mounds four. in a row well those are the sa- and they're smaller shot. they're smaller mounds that are the farmers that yeah. died as and well and the samurai banner yeah. that they made love the samurai banner yeah. flapping there in the wind always flapping in the yeah. wind and you have that like sense of loss and alienation and there's kind of a downbeat like this is not this is well I mean, like, so we started where they had just been robbed in the rice season, and then they're hearing that, the, I mean, to them, the presents are just going back to their normal cycle of life. I mean, like, all of this, all of this that happened is just so that they can continue their same, you know, cycle of of rice and, and barley yeah. and rice and barley. And so the samurai, now they don't have... They don't have a mission. They that was don't their have, purpose. Yeah, yeah. That was what they were living for. And mm-hmm. they achieved that goal. And they're not part of the village. Yeah. They're outsiders. And they will never really understand or be a part of mm-hmm. that village unless they hang up their helmets. And yeah. so, you know, we don't know where they are left. You almost feel like they're ghosts or like it's their time is well, Over. I also think it's interesting, like, after they've recruited the samurai, the guy, like, runs back to the village and, like, um, disguises his daughter as a man. Cuts because, her hair. Yeah. Um, against her so, will. And then scares the whole village into thinking the samurai are going to come and, like, steal their women and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, one minute, it's so interesting. One minute, I mean, it's like people... People are like this. One minute, they're heroes that are going to save the day, and the next minute, they're, you know, terrible you know shunned terrible people you know nobody comes to greet them as savior you know the village is completely empty when they come back (laughs) they have to toshiro mifune has to sound the alarm for everybody to (laughs) To come come out out. the bandits the bandits where the samurai come save us So there's there's that kind of yeah he calls he calls, he calls people on he, their, he calls people on, on bullshit a lot. yeah he does <laughs> even though he seems like he would be the master BS yeah, artist yeah. he's also the one who sees through it all yeah he's, he he has the, he is the one who walks in both worlds yeah. who is the translator and the go between and the like I didn't realize he was that important a character <laughs> in that way before yeah. but he really bridges the worlds yeah well I mean literally because well and I I'm you know. I'm very interested because he walks around with the samurai sword, but it's huge. It's like the biggest samurai sword you of loved anyone. That. You kept commenting on that. Oh, I'm just going to go over there with giant my giant sword. sword. <laughs> I do love it. I mean, like, it's, it's just like the one, I mean, other than, you know, everything about him is a little bit off, but that, Larger you know, giant, yeah, yeah, giant sword. Well, he's a bigger person than almost anybody else yeah, on screen, he's a too. Big guy. Yeah. He has presence too. <laughs> he He's, does. He fills the whole frame. I was searching for the actor's name, and like one of the common searches on Google that comes up is height. Toshio. Toshio Mifune. Height. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think that's actually common for most actors. Anyway, they're curious about how tall people are. So. <laughs> so um, I was a little 
No, I was a little, I was wondering, I haven't seen this movie all the way through maybe in 10 years. Yeah. I didn't know how it would feel. Yeah. And so just commenting on the pace and the time, like I have seen this movie like six or seven times mm-hmm. probably before. And I still just, it just moves along in a clip. I was yeah. never bored. I'm always, yeah. always absorbed. The way it's structured is not only do you have that, that those clear three acts, you know, um, recruitment, training and battle, but within them, you have like these distinct sections that have their own little narratives, like yeah. chapters. Mm-hmm. And, and so like the, the little sub pieces, the, the subsections yeah. like really fit together. So you, you're always moving from one right along from one yeah. to the next. It does not drag. I just want, if anybody's never seen this movie and they're thinking about it, I don't, I, I know I've mentioned it's three and a half hours long, but it doesn't feel like it's no. three and a half hours long. And especially in this day and age when you're used to sitting there and binging five episodes of a TV show, this has that kind of pacing to me well, in a way. I wanted to say, although, you know, for American audiences, they often shave Shakespeare down, but you can tell that shaving Shakespeare, that Kurosawa had read, I mean, well, obviously he adapted a lot Huge of Shakespeare. Shakespeare fan. But it's, it, it's in, if you've studied Shakespeare, and I, I took, Five act I, took right? I took like 16th century yeah. literature courses and stuff like that, where we studied, you know, language and, and pacing and all of that. And like that, that mix of, of the comedy with the dramatic, you know, one mm-hmm. scene there'll be uh, someone pining for love and then there'll be a big battle and then there'll be a comic scene to, you know, let you recover from the tragedy that just happened. And that's all, you know, in, in there, you know, um, or, you know, just in, even in the middle of the battle. So they've just had the big battle and they know that in the morning is going to be the final showdown. Mm -hmm. You know, they take a break to have, you know, uh, the young guy consummates his relationship with mm-hmm. the with the girl from the village, and then you know there's a big confrontation with her father. Mm-hmm. You know, um, not oddly not between the young boy and the father, but you know, mm-hmm. the sort of um, you know, and that, I mean, I don't know that that one didn't really dispel the tension to me. Although there is like a comic line about like you know how no, these young people not are. everything is so easily yeah. resolved yeah. there's a lot that comes up there he's yeah. like my daughter is soiled yeah. she's ruined forever and he starts trying to he beats her up yeah. he starts beating her up and you're like my god somebody stop this man yeah. like you literally said yeah that. stop it and it's Kambe the yeah. leader the Takashi Shimura yeah. who, who's like and, and I don't remember who it is but somebody says too this is the eve of battle yeah. Even in kingdoms, this is a, Even this in is castles, a normal thing. They do this, and yeah. somebody else says, they're two people in love. We're all about to die. And yeah. there's, what's so bad about two young people in love? Yeah. Can we have a sense of perspective here? Yeah. So we kind of leave it on that note. Yeah. And clearly that doesn't appease the, the father who's no. still like over there, like hyperventilating. Well, and, and really then they angry. make a joke about it in the morning right before well, the then, battle. Yeah, too. when the father's not around <laughs> anymore, they're like, you're a man now. Let's go yeah, to battle. Well, yeah. Slaps him on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I scribbled down a couple of like scenes or sequences that have always like that stand out to mm-hmm. me. Like I, if I think about the movie, I think about them and I just loved experiencing them again. So we don't, we have to talk about them directly or anything, yeah. but I wrote down, which we already mentioned, um, the leader Takashi, the, the introduction of him shaving his head, mm-hmm. the, that whole moment where every, this, the, the way that Kurosawa watches something, observes something and observes people observing something. Yeah. 
there's this tension that is mm-hmm. so amazing. The suspense of small moments like that that are meaningful emotionally or significantly to the story, but you just kind of have it play out in its own time and the way it's cut with people watching, observing, wind blowing, the flapping of, you yeah. know. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I love that stuff. Um, I wrote down... Those sequences of the boy Katsushiro in the flowers on the hillside. Yeah, yeah. It's so beautiful. I love that he has the, there's that love yeah. thing that's kind of a harp scene with the wind blowing through mm. the white flowers. And he's alone at first, yeah. right? He's he's still a kid. Yeah. And he goes off when everybody else is kind of training and preparing and into the climbs up into the hills in the woods and, and, and lies down in this field of flowers and well, just lies back and looks up at the sun. Kurosawa always has this like looking yeah. up through trees at the sun kind of stuff and flowers and grass blowing yeah. and it, and the harp music. I just love that <laughs> and how that also is the setting for the love scene, the, the, yeah. that, that play out with him wrestling the boy yeah. to the ground and realizing that's not a boy. That's a girl, you know, yeah, to yeah. look like a boy. <laughs> and then they end up, you know, yeah. having their times together. Well, you know, there's another scene in the flowers where he's watching the, the swordsman, you know, he's, he's gone with, uh, yeah. The, the swordsman and they're, what were they going to, were they just taking out the scouts? I think is what mm. they were doing. They were going to kill the scouts. So, you know, he, Kikachuro hides up in the tree and the swordsman just sits on the ground by the tree, you know, and then, you know, it's funny because you can see his face in the flowers. Well, when you he's know his lying eyes. There. Yeah, and his and eyes. And did you notice the flowers are kind of trembling? Yeah, like he's he's afraid because yeah. yeah. they're about to ambush these. He can hear them coming. coming back, he, he, and yeah. it's kind of trembling. Like <laughs> and he he's can like, see he's like. <laughs> and the swordsman's just sitting there with his eyes closed. You know, yeah, he's just under resting, the tree, resting yeah. until he's his time. Yeah, and it's, that's when it's time, and only when it's time is when he will go into action. Yeah, he stands up, swoosh. Those two guys are dead. He's very conservative with his movements, you know. It's all com- yeah. highly focused yeah. to the point of kinetic energy mm-hmm. just moving when it needs to. Yeah. Um, beautiful stuff. I also wrote down that um, that raid on the bandit camp that oh, results yeah. in the fire where mm. you you have that character. Actually, the, the peasant that's drawn, that's colored in the most character-wise is yeah. Rikichi, the one who who wants to recruit them in the first yeah. place, who's like, this is, it's time for us to fight back. But there also comes up stuff about, you cannot mention his, don't mention his wife. Yeah. Cause he freaks the crap out yeah. every time. And it turns out that his wife either went off or was taken. I or, think she was taken. Yeah. And, um, he finds her again when they go to that bandit camp and they decide before they find her to, they're going to just burn. They're going to light the, light the camp, the, the bandits, um, home base yeah. on fire and drive them out. And they do, and that's well. When there's they, she's they have one that of there's not very many women in um, in this film at all. Shishino, yeah, and then his wife, who's featured briefly, and like really, we only see her as they're looking through the the slats in the cabin. They see it start to catch fire, and she wakes up and sees that the cabin is on fire, but she doesn't say anything. So to me, I mean. I think that she's been taken, she's been horribly ravaged by these bandits for who knows how many months. She's a shell of who yeah, she was. I mean, she, was. she probably has no sense so, of humanity. So she or... doesn't, she doesn't warn the bandits that the fire has started. She just sits there. Um, 
And then when everybody starts running out of the barn, she's sort of the last to come out, I believe. And when and she, it's fully engulfed yeah, in flames, yeah. pouring out all over the and place. And when she but, sees her husband, she runs back into the fi- flames. Because of the I think shame. shame. Yeah, shame. yeah. But the the way that's filmed and edited, it, the the focus on her face and close up, waking mm. up in the smoke and the yeah. fire, catching the glimpse of of the you know what's happening. It's like poetry. Yeah. I mean, you have that sort of shakuhachi flute like mm. playing and the smoke billowing around her crackling. and the crackling of the yeah. fire. And she, there, there's a point, is, is it after she sees that he's there or, or when she just, I think she's kind of accepting it as this is her due yeah. because she doesn't warn them and she doesn't try and yeah. get out. And when she's walking slowly through those flames and it's all kind of going yeah. on around her, there's this resignation and also kind of a madness in yeah. her eyes. Like she looks haunted. Like yeah. it, it's beautiful, but t- terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's almost from another film. Mm-hmm. And it feels more like something from his um, Macbeth adaptation, Throne of Blood, where you've yeah. got crazy, the, their version of Lady Macbeth. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, that whole that whole scene is really it's amazing. It's in this sort of canyon, rocky canyon with this waterfall, you know, coming down um, stark, beautiful landscape that they're and and I guess one thing that I missed is that these they're starving. They don't have any I mean, like they live in this canyon with they can't grow things. They can't. All they're the, not farmers. All they they, can, this is all how they, they live. Yeah, they have to steal from the the villagers in order that to live. That was one thing that you had a problem with yeah. throughout. You were like, they've are, they've just bought they, a dozen they, of their men. Yeah. Why do they keep coming yeah. in and to get picked off? If they come into this village and it's obviously being protected by yeah. samurai and they're losing a dozen men, why do they keep coming back? Why do yeah. they keep coming back? And we looked at each other towards the end and was like, they don't have, this is, they're all, yeah. the eggs are all in one basket. Yeah. This is it. They don't have any food. This is maybe the only village in the vicinity. They are, yeah. They've already ravaged the other ones, maybe. This is it. Everything yeah. is on getting this, the, this farm farmer's to yeah. barley. Yeah. That's it. So it's every, you've got that desperation on both sides. Yeah. Well, I still feel like at the end, I just felt like that the peasants would have been fine. You know, not as well off as they would have liked to be, you know. I don't know, you know, because it seems like that they were able to put aside enough rice to, you know. They don't know what's going to, yeah. what is the, going to be the cost of a, of a bandit raid. Yeah, that's true. Because the, the old man, the village elder refers to the village that the bandits burned down when you were a child, you know, yeah. so there, it depends. It could be a time when they come through and burn everything to the ground, rape all the women, yeah. and level everything, kill every man, woman, yeah. and child. So, I mean, that's the that's the ultimate cost. Yeah. It could go down that way. Yeah. They they don't assume the, that they're going to leave enough of them standing to, yeah. to, to make the next crop. That, yeah. the, those roving bandits might just move on through the countryside, yeah. you know, level everything as they go. So I don't I don't think they they... They did survive the rice pillaging yeah. earlier, but they've had it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, sometimes you lose your wife. Rikichi loses yeah, his wife, and that may true. have happened that last time. Yeah. We don't know how long ago that yeah. happened. But, you know, it's it's interesting to me that they had to hire someone. Because, like, ultimately, they did most of the, you know, the samurai killed some, but... You know, most of the battle is, you know, they knock them off a horse and then they stab them with 
Yeah, but they wouldn't have. Yeah, they wouldn't have had the strategy. That's true. I mean, yeah, uh, Takashi Shimura is the the general and yeah. the strategizer. Drives like, them like, to the. He has the plan. Like yeah. leave a breach, leave one opening, and the you know the village has entry from four sides until they close. You know they flood one yeah. area. They flood the fields. They build a giant fence in another area, and then they took there, out the bridge. There's mountains, um, and but they leave one opening. So part of their strategy is letting two in at a time. Yeah. killing them letting the next batch yeah. in. they got like a, g- a good 10 or so yeah, the first time way. they did that yeah so and then they just had to keep adapting to it. then they you know the bandits learn let's not do that anymore yeah <laughs> they're not that smart but they're at least and they know. also had to you know get the guns away from yeah. them there were three muskets they learned that early on he kept count he had mm. his like, you know, his <laughs> knocking them off. On yeah, that. he had. They had. They wrote down. They made circles on on their sheet on their uh, scroll for yeah. how many um, how many bandits there were. They counted forty. So every time they they picked them off, they would cross them off on the on their chart. It was good stuff. Well, it I thought strategy. it was interesting too. Is that they fought? You know, when they're making the plans, and he's like, "Okay, we're gonna have to like lose this barn and the mill." You know, because they're not close enough. We mm-hmm. can't defend them. And, like, people were so upset. They were really upset about the fact that, you know, we hired these samurai and they can't protect everything. And, like, them coming to the realization that, you know... And they, you know, they still were very upset when when they got set on fire. You know, they were momentarily distracted by, by that. Um, but it's interesting to see, like, the different mindset, like... Like, yeah, we have to, it's, it's like Mm -hmm. when, um, they talk about, um, you know, firefighting, it's the same way. Like, you know, you're going to lose some structure, but you have, you do, you do a strategy on how to save the most, you know, and save the most important, valuable resources. And I don't know, um, a lot of people don't think that way, you know, you know, I don't know, but yeah, it just seemed like they were, yeah, the peasants just couldn't always focus on, on the ultimate goal sometimes, you yeah. know, they got distracted by other things and, you know. <laughs> so I, another thing about delaying watching Seven Samurai for the podcast mm. is I wasn't sure about what your entry point should be for Kurosawa. Because mm-hmm. I, want, I want to show you more of these films and I, I had thought for a while, well, let's start with Rashomon, which is like his, you know, the one that put him on the map. That this is Japanese cinema. This is this direct. This this does new things and shows you the art and of his direction. And it's like it is a world certified classic. Yeah, you know. And I thought it's you know it's ninety minutes long. It's and I just was like, no, go for the Seven Samurai. You have to go with the one that's closer <laughs> yeah. to your heart. So I hope this is an entry point to two other films can you believe that he like he had already made 13 films yeah. i think i counted before he made this wow. including rashomon in 1950 ikiru 1952 which is also often bandied yeah. about on those top 10 lists yeah. on sight and sound bfi and all that um beautiful film about a man a modern day story about a man dying from but cancer then, it stars takashi shimura as mm. an old man takashi shimura who's the leader of the samurai yeah. in this film is a dying old man bureaucrat yeah. who like death of ivan Ilyich kind of thing who you know never lived yeah and has regrets and that sort of thing it's it's the power of finding the right people to work with 
and he'd made a number of other movies, Drunken Angel and Stray Dog. So he was already a master. And then you have this opening, this whole other, like he continued to make film for years and years. And I think, I'm sorry if I'm babbling, but <laughs> unlike other directors that, you know, like film people, Kubrick is my yeah. favorite director, whatever. Fine. You know, I admire a lot of what Kubrick does. Don't worry about those people, but okay. <laughs> but for me, I love Kurosawa so much because of the art and poetry of his film, the kinds of stories he tells, and then that empathy and mm-hmm. that, like, I want something that, you know, shows me all of the potential of film and I can geek out on it in that way. But that makes me feel something, yeah. you know, and, and that, this one does this best of all for me that today. That's yeah. what I'll say. <laughs> so. Well, and I want to say we did watch Dreams before. That's right. But that was I don't the think first You didn't Kurosawa. see it all the way through. You no, were kind I of in and parts. out of the room. Well, no, I was, I think, well, I just didn't see all the pieces, but I did see most of them, I believe. Well, I watched it over a couple <clears throat> of mornings and, yeah. you know, it has like five or six installments, yeah. Dreams, yes. <laughs> in the film. I don't think you saw the Van Gogh one, for instance. No, I don't think I did yeah. either. So, but so you were. Was that, is that the last one? Is that? I don't think so. Okay. No, the last one is the post-apocalyptic one, maybe, or no, the last one might be the the fox dance one. I can't remember what order they come in. No, no, no. I mean, is that the last? Oh, film? Oh, that's not his last film. Yeah. No, I've actually never seen his last film all the way through, and it's on my set. Mm-hmm. It's called Matadayo, and I think it came out in the early '90s or maybe 1990. I can't remember exactly when. But you have is so that many other three, ones. Maybe. That's anyway. You have to see Rashomon. You have yeah. to see Ron. You have to see Ikiru. There's, I mean, those would be top of the list. Yeah. Probably. Well, there were, there was a time when I was getting introduced to film when I was in college that I would have liked to have seen those films. But, um, at the time the person I was with had already done Japanese cinema. And so I missed out on that. <laughs> I don't know. And then lacked the time to go back for it, you know, go well, back to it. Well, I mean, it. either something becomes a personal, <laughs> yeah. of personal importance to you, or there is, I mean, a lot of being somebody interested in film is kind of that notch on the belt. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to see the Polish movies I yeah. need to see. I'm trying to see the German films I need to see. I need to do, you know, this director and that director. But if something in particular doesn't move you, then it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's an individual subjective thing. But yeah. Kurosawa freaking moves me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I just, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a, a branch of cinema files that are like, I need to see, these are the 100 must see films that I must see because I must see them because yeah. this critic says I should see them or whatever. And, and that's, I don't know. I just, I think that there's much more to be gained by studying cinema in a way that's meaningful to you and choosing films that that move you and and seeing where that that takes you rather than you know well and selecting one person's viewpoint of 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 what you should see or what you shouldn't see you know and I feel so lucky that I grew up next to that movie theater Mm -hmm. because my entry point to Kurosawa was falling in love with a movie you know with a movie and a style and it was a personal choice and a personal experience it wasn't it didn't come out of you need to know the films of kurosawa it was like what is this 
what is this samurai version of Macbeth? What's yeah. that like? We had probably read Macbeth in ninth grade, like Fiona's doing right now. She came home and knew what I was talking about when I mentioned that Throne of Blood was this by Kurosawa. Was this. She's like, oh, we heard about that in school. I was like, just keep saying these things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she came home talking about James Baldwin one day. I was like, yeah. oh, oh, my God. She's like, oh, yeah, there's that mo- that, the book about Beale Street. Uh, what, if Beale Street yeah. could talk, maybe I should read that. And, uh, yeah, they told us about um, the film adaptations of Macbeth and the Japanese one. So that sounds interesting. So just, it's not all panic yeah. at the disco. Well, <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I just like for my own personal development, like, you know, I didn't set out to watch a bunch of, you know, French new wave stuff. But, uh, you know, one time we were in conversation, you and I, and you mentioned that, you know, Jules at Jim was a fantastic film. So I went home and watched that, you know, and that sort of drove me towards, you know, then I, I read, I watched Cleo from five to seven and, and I always pronounce this one. They shoot piano players, don't they? No, it's no. Shoot, <laughs> shoot the, shoot the, the, the piano, piano player. player. By yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they shoot piano players, don't they? But, you know, it's sometimes it's, it's, I like it when it's, you know, organic in that way and that you can, yeah. you know, y- someone you care about. That well, you, isn't it the same thing yeah. as the way you choose a book or something? Yeah. You know, you might be at book people or, or a bookstore and you're browsing and you, something draws you, something draws your attention and you, you, you pick your own line yeah. by seeing things on the shelf, hearing recommendations yeah. from other people around you that you care about or, but it's mm-hmm. not like a studied, like I'm going to read the works of French literature. Yeah. And that, usually that never, me. that never works for me. I mean, I have a lot of, um, I don't know if it's rebelliousness or, um, driven by my feminism, but I have a lot of problems with reading the Western canon. You know, I just, yeah. I feel a lot of resistance. And even though I know that there must be very powerful and beautiful stories told in the Western canon, um, that, that these are the, these are the things that you're supposed to read, you know, or, Mm -hmm. or these are the things that you're supposed to do. I always have a resistance to that, that sometimes I have to overcome in order to, you know, appreciate really, you know, great, because in, in the Western canon, there are really profound, important stories told alongside stuff but that, you, you, that ha- you know... You have to find the ones that speak to yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. But you don't have to read any That's of right. that stuff. <laughs> but if you do, sometimes you go, oh my God, um, I don't know, Madame Bovary or, or yeah. something, or War and Peace like really speaks to you or something like that. I don't know. They do to me. But, yeah. But I don't know. We we each get to choose our own way through. Yeah, I like the, I like the the, the works of cinema and yeah. the <laughs> books and literature and stuff like that. And it helps but, to have recommendations. And the reason we're doing this show, it helps to have somebody who knows you well mm. say, you know, you should watch this or you yeah. should read this. Well, I always am le- interested in the things that you pick up and read, and I'm like, oh, I should read that next. <laughs> and, I. I feel like this film is like something that keeps giving more the more that you think about it. I mean, I already would like to see it again, you know. Um, and I actually would love to see it in a theater. I don't know when, if ever well, they show it in a theater, but you know. I hope I just nobody like, out there objects to my decision to show this to you on 
TV, but yeah. it's really rare. I mean, we have a good we, TV. We do get it from time <laughs> to time because we live in Austin, which is yeah. a film city. So every once in a while, it'll come up at AFS or the Paramount mm-hmm. or something or the Ritz, which likes to, but not really that often because it's so long. Yeah, and so you can't count on that, and I just can't. I yeah, can't, can't delay wait. anymore. We've yeah. been doing this this podcast for a year, <laughs> and you've never seen Kurosawa. Yeah. You've never seen The Seven Samurai. So, I don't know. This might be one of the most important movies. Like, I had to maybe even like work my way up to being able to share it yeah. by sharing things that were of interest, but maybe more intellectually sometimes, and not necessarily with as much of a personal connection and emotional wallop to me yeah well i want to watch it again and and look for for things that i may have missed the first time i it's not often that i have watch a film and immediately want to watch it again i mean except for like i always had that for movies that really struck me and i don't know like that was that fed into my like i want to collect movies sort of thing because when i saw this in the movie theater i wanted it on tape Mm -hmm. you know and like I was the kid with the two VCRs who made his own bootleg tapes, you know, yeah. go to the rental store. We had a great video store, Le Video in San Francisco for anyone back then who remembers the best, <laughs> you know, video. video rental store in San Francisco. <laughs> and they had everything. And I would take the train, take the streetcar out there, um, pick up a couple of movies and bring them home and, you know, make personal dubbed yeah. copies for myself i'm sorry uh whoever were the rights holders at the time of seven samurai <laughs> you but just then, put tape over the y- little <laughs> well i would buy fresh tapes mo- yeah. you know like I, that's what my allowance would go towards no i mean to to you tape over the little yeah i know thing you, that yeah they, to re-record yeah, over, yeah, yeah exactly anyway <laughs> so do you have any other thoughts about this before we go on for three and a half hours because we probably shouldn't <laughs> right. we should probably give them the shorter cut um i i, I just like I said, I want to see it again. I want to pay more attention to details, you know. I mean, I don't... It's almost... Yeah, it's like reading a book, like, the first time you're you're reading it quickly because you're excited about the plot and you want to see what happens. But sometimes that first read-through, because especially in the more tense parts, you're you want to move on and you want to get to what happens. But, like... If you watch, if you read it again, you can get those details yeah. and and stuff like that. And I I, I want to do that. I, I'd like to look at some of the supplements on the Criterion disc mm-hmm. too, because there's a whole extra disc just of yeah. supplements that's well, got a making of documentary. There's an interview with Kurosawa that they shot in the late '80s. Well, it makes me want to um, read about Japanese history too. You know, it does, and me too. and you know, understand the culture better, and you know, um, pick on upon cues that just like Shakespeare. Because we're not from that time, there's things that we don't... I should show you some of the Shakespeare adaptations. Okay, well, thank you, audience, for going along on this hour-long ride with us (laughs) through a a three-and-a-half-hour movie, Yes, Seven Samurai, which uh, obviously you know that if you've never seen it, I think you should give it a try. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'm really glad I got to share it with Ashley this week. So we'll be back again with Ashley's Choice um, in a couple weeks. And uh, if you think I'm gonna do like it. the show, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Shut up, mm-hmm. watch this. And if you have anything to say about Seven Samurai or Kurosawa or your own take on it or even what Kurosawa film we should do next for Ashley sometime if you're a fan, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. 
and you were going to say something about what you might choose. I think I'm going to choose Hands on a Hard Body documentary. I've never seen it. Yeah. It's my my foray into independent documentaries. Which we both love. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I think that came out around when I was in film school here in Austin. Yeah. So, cool. All right. We'll see you again. We won't see you, I don't think. All right. Anyway, take care, and uh, we'll be back. (laughs) 